Man, I come at head of open source strategy here at Percona with another Haas Talks Foss. Yes, the Haas is here to bring you the best in the open source space. We're really excited about today's episode. We hope you are too. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. So I'm here with uh, Jobin Augustine. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, we, we wanted to talk to you about your recent blog where you compared ARM-based EC2 instances to Intel-based EC2 instances. So why don't we just start with maybe, Jobin, give us a little background on you. Um, you've been at Percona now for, for a little while uh, in our Postgres practice. Yeah. Uh, how did you come here? Where did you come from? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, first of all, Matt, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, yeah, so uh, I started in the database career uh, uh, around two decades back, maybe uh, not not completed. 2001, I started, in fact, uh, but yeah. Uh, the Postgres, I had some exposure even before that, even my uh, university had some minor Postgres work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but uh, when when I came to industry, um, it was more of Oracle world uh, everywhere, Oracle big installations, yeah. Um, and slowly, uh, because of the passion, I started pushing uh, open source everywhere, uh, Postgres. Uh, yeah, and I worked for uh, Dell, that is my biggest tenure. It was 10 years uh, from 2006 to 16. Uh, yeah, and there we had, uh, we started the, Postgres, uh, the open source implementations, yeah. Uh, and uh, later I moved to a uh, Postgres only company. It was started by a Postgres uh, well-known hacker, um, Dennis Luzier. So um, he st uh, started that company and I joined there um, and I worked there for two years. Uh, and that's the time Amazon acquired uh, that company because they want the Postgres experts uh, to be part of them. So they acquired the company and I was with Amazon for very short duration, uh, two, three months. Yeah. And I switched to Percona. Yes. Well, and, and so it's interesting. So you've been in this space a while. Did you start on Oracle itself? Yeah, the, the official the uh, projects were in in uh, Oracle first. Yeah, because that 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 was the major database at that time. Yeah, but yeah. yeah I so was... I started in Oracle as well, <laughs> and uh, my first Postgres experience was Postgres seven, I think. Um, so way okay. back in the in the day, um, and that was before I even joined MySQL. So I I've, I I remember those days. I remember all of the the interesting little things that happened. Um, okay. You know, so yeah. so I'm not a, by any means a Postgres expert. I just dabbled back then, but it's an interesting thing that so many database professionals and people in our space started with Oracle. They started yeah. with proprietary databases and then they moved over. Correct. So you you've spoken at a lot of conferences. You've written a lot of blogs. Uh, the most recent blog, which is on the ARM-based instances, has gotten a lot of interest. And so I know Amazon just released these new uh, Gravitron ARM-based uh, systems. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about what you found and give us a, maybe a summary of the blog if people haven't read it. Yeah, so uh, this blog, I was planning for uh, quite some time. Uh, um, and um, I was sharing that thoughts with uh, my colleague, Sergey. So if I, to be precise, in November 11th, uh, I pinged Sergey and found, uh, told him, yeah, the, this is, uh, there is uh, EC2 instance available. Why can't we just uh, publish a blog, uh, blog post about all the benchmarking? Um, 
it will be interesting and um, uh, i done uh, the initial installation as well so installation everything went very smooth so yeah it's something to get started uh, but we had that initial hesitation uh, is it right time to start uh, yeah so the, the discussion uh, again went back um, and uh, and after new year uh, i think the new year day or after again uh, we started discussing about uh, doing it again yeah so finally we we done it uh, yeah that that's uh, mm, yeah it's a in fact that blog post is a long pending wish as well uh, we we have to get it uh, uh, to public there is something uh, like this coming up and uh, this uh, is ju just a uh, beginning uh, that's what i feel because uh, the cloud migration is all about um, the cost effectiveness um, yeah and um, yeah. and these instances appear just based on the blog to be 20 to 30% faster depending on the tests and they cost yeah. less correct cost less yeah 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 so the 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 difference in cost is um substantial potentially if you're getting a 20 to 30% boost. Absolutely. And that margin is going to expect it to increase uh, because now uh, if I look at to, into the Postgres mailing list and all, there are a lot of discussions uh, happening that the, the, the code generated by the compilers are not optimal for this uh, processors. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, the GCC or um, other compilers, uh, the, the, it is not at optimal uh, code. Yeah, so, um, and uh, um, uh, there is uh, the, even the, the locking mechanisms, uh, which uh, the, the end code generates uh, is slightly suboptimal. Uh, so all those things are currently addressed and uh, it is uh, it is underworking. Uh, so it is, uh, it is expected to improve over the time yeah yeah because most of the code is going to be generated for the x86 absolutely processors absolutely. as yeah, opposed yeah. to the arm so its potential is a lot higher just because as you recompile towards you know using the arm based optimizations that could be a, a substantial boost as well uh it, it's really interesting because you know a lot of people have toyed around or played with arm based processors for a while just because of uh, Raspberry Pis, right? So, or or micro devices. Um, in fact, I've tested, and I've got in my closet several like different uh, maker boards that that have ARM processors that I've I've run, you know, you know, different stacks on um, and benchmarked. Uh, and and I mean, we've we've even done that here at Percona, where where we uh, we, we actually had some internal contests back a few years ago, where we would send people little uh, maker boards or uh, pies or whatever, and we would see who could get the fastest benchmark. Um, although, although someone cheated, I won't say who, they, 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 they used a dev null storage engine on their benchmarks, um, which, which doesn't really count if it doesn't keep your data. Uh, this is not fair. Um, but we, we, we saw that, you know, that there was not only this boost, but you can get a bigger boost potentially from, from these others. Um, what sort of things do you want to test next? I mean, we we tested one size of instance, and we and I saw in some of the comments, people were like, "Oh, can you test this other one? Can you try this?" Um, so there's there's definitely interest to see what else we can do. Yeah. Um, what, what's your plans next? Um, when we come, one of the area uh, where we we have to look at is currently there is 
big battle between all the cloud vendors. Okay, we have Amazon, we have Google, we have Microsoft. Uh, so, um, and uh, they optimize in terms of the process selection. And uh, now, if you closely notice, there is a difference in pricing between Intel and AMD uh, based uh, uh, instances. Mm. Um, so uh, that is again an interesting uh, thing. Um, we should be looking into that that part as well. Uh, which cloud vendor and which uh, instance? Uh, so we could have we could have AMD, which is still x86, and you could yeah. have ARM, and you could have Intel, yeah. and so you could have this three way bake off then. Yeah, and I I, I think you're going to find, and I don't know. This is just based on past benchmarking that I've done, you'll probably end up finding that there are different use cases for each type of processor, right? You might get a faster, you know, CPU cycle from an Intel, but you might get greater, you know, breadth from more threads with an ARM, let's say, or, you know, and there's going to be these trade-offs depending on what you're looking for. And that's going to be a challenge because, of the number of permutations that you could potentially have is is quite high. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as you were testing, did you run into anything odd or weird? Yeah, the the we found that the Postgres uh, is pretty stable uh, on ARM uh, because we we were also a little worried about the the uh, compiler the code generation quality and all. So. Postgres was pretty stable, but the benchmarking tools were not. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, yes, yes. So that's always a problem: is the yeah. benchmark tools might not not keep up. And you were using yeah. you were using PG Bench with this. First, we tested with the PG Bench, then the SysBench. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and where did you get the better? Crashing? SysBench was crashing. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, did did you did you fix it? Did you fix this? Uh, yeah, Sergey uh, done a recompilation of the SysBench from source again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so you did get it fixed. Yeah, I got it fixed. Okay, was that an ARM problem or what was? Uh, what? Um, maybe uh, the the original uh, SysBench might have compiled with some uh, older version of compiler. We we don't oh. know. Um, and it's it's a it's a, a long uh, problem. Say. There'll be tools and underlying libraries, and the libraries might be compiled with a different version of compiler. Yeah, so there's a lot of dependencies, and we do, never know where it is uh, failing. Right. Okay. Okay. And and so as people go to do these benchmarks and do these types of tests, what advice would you give them? Is there certain things that you would say make sure you do these these types of things to make sure your benchmarks are legitimate? Because I've seen some benchmarks that are questionable in terms of, you know, like how good they are. And then I've seen some that are just outstandingly great. So what yeah. would you tell people if they want to run their own benchmarks and do their own tests? Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, we shouldn't be relying on benchmarks at all. That's what I want oh, to say. Don't rely on benchmarks <laughs> at all, okay. Yeah, that, that's that's just an indication. Okay, the synthetic benchmarks uh, will be far away from the reality. So the your workload will be totally different. The actual business workload will be totally different from what the synthetic benchmarks uh, says. So one, one example I can give is um, um, when we do all these benchmarks, uh, it will be randomly dirtying a lot of pages uh, across the buffers, uh, the shared buffers. 
so uh, that won't be a, re- a real case uh, so what it means for postgres is all the dirty buffers uh, will be part of the full page rights after a checkpoint so uh, I, even in this benchmark we can see the a, a sudden drop in performance uh, after the checkpoint but in real world um lord that may not be the case when we deal with the customers we never see that yeah because you're going to see spikes up and down you're not going to see it consistently at 100% the whole time right so so you'll see this kind of like you know pattern where it might be 2 hours is really busy then it goes down and then things can catch up so so yeah. i get that yeah yeah and and that's an interesting you know um case because i i, I one of the things that i think from a benchmark perspective is we need more real world type workload simulations. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever, like I've, I've, uh, I've thought about this a, a bit because I'm a nerd and I just like benchmarks. Um, but there's a tool, uh, are you familiar with Mattermost, the, the Slack open source Slack alternative? I, I did a small, uh, stint with them where I worked for them for about six months. They actually have a tool that benchmark or benchmarks their entire stack of sending mm-hmm. messages and doing things yeah. like that. I wonder if that would be a more realistic database workload, some tool like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, again, uh, that will be their, their business case as well. Uh, but again, uh, say, um, uh, take an example of uh, this, um, time scale um, kind of uh, time series database so uh, what it generates is insert only workload mm. so because it's a series of events uh, say uh, time stamp this one time stamp this one is keep on inserting the data right uh, yeah so that's in, the insert only workload works differently in postgres than the update workload uh, the delete yeah because the update and delete results in in fragmentation uh, there will be bloat and yeah so but you insert, need that consistent like yeah you, you need to you need to change things up to simulate a real workload really yeah okay great so um let me ask you and leave you with this question i like to ask this so as we start to evolve let's move away from the benchmarks for a second what are some of the interesting or new things you're seeing in postgres that really excite you and that you think are the next thing we should evaluate or something you're really just, you can't wait until it's ready? Uh, so the, the one um, important aspect about Postgres is there won't be any uh, big feature suddenly. It's it's the, since it's a community project, uh, it's more of a evolutionary in nature. So some uh, discussions will be happening, then uh, some small feature will land in, uh, then that, that feature will mature in the next version, filling all the gaps. Uh, so, uh, for example, um, the partitioning feature, uh, it, mm-hmm. it landed in uh, Postgres 10. Uh, okay. Yeah, and um, uh, everyone gave, uh, the, the uh, means the native partitioning, the, the old, old method of partitioning was there even before. The native, native declarative partition is landed in Postgres 10 and uh, everyone gave a, a big round of applause. But, uh, there were operational challenges. There were some essential features missing in Postgres 10, which is addressed in Postgres 11. Uh, then it become, okay, really use, uh, usable, but still uh, the performance was not up to mark. Uh, the performance gains were not up to mark because the, the optimizer was not 
uh, rewritten for uh, taking care of these partitions. And POSIS 12 addressed that. Okay, the, the complete optimizer is aware about the partitioning feature and it generates proper execution plan for partitions. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, when we go and advise people, okay, from persistent um, use new partitioning feature, they'll have a very bad experience, okay. Uh, but um, in Postgres 12 or 13, it is not a new feature, it is an old feature, but but I it's a better to, feature now because it, uh, it's now, ready to go. Now um, it's ready to go. Now it's wonderful. Okay, yeah. okay. so in PG-13, right, yeah. the, the latest version, what what feature has matured to the point where you're like, that is recommended and you and you like, you know, you would recommend that? Yeah, so uh, Postgres 13 specifically address some of the, um, the insert-only workload cases, uh, which is, I really find it interesting uh, because uh, that's, that is something um, in new world is important, uh, especially when we address this time series data. Uh, so uh, even auto vacuum, etc., is optimized. And some of the improvements uh, like uh, index size uh, reduced in Postgres 13. Uh, so, uh, and that is not something new as such because that effort started in Postgres uh, 12 and Postgres 13 made a leap jump there. Yeah. So it's just so, the evolution of Postgres. Evolution, and, yeah. It's a and, and as these you know features and tools mature, that's what is the exciting thing. So it's really about making sure you understand that as time goes on, features that are available are going to get better and better. Yes, yes, yes. Great. Jobin, thanks for sitting down with me today. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. And uh, we look forward to the next series of benchmarks and blogs that you come up with. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Sure. Thank you for watching this episode. We really hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did giving it to you. If you'd like, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you can get all of these Haas Talks Faust episodes as soon as they're available. We're going to be bringing you some awesome guests in the next couple of weeks, so we really appreciate you subscribing. Also, if you want to get more news and information on the open source space, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and everywhere that Percona is. We really appreciate it. The Hoss thanks you.